Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And we're excited about today's guest. Because <laughs> we have a friend and colleague <laughs> we like to from say. the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville who is a professor, Dr. Peggy Whitby Schaefer. Nice to see you. Hi, it's great to be here. You yeah. forgot to add that I'm a, a lead scholar from 2009. Ah, oh, well, we were going to expose that we're old, <laughs> <laughs> which means you were with us at one point as a privilege uh, yes. on our end to have you as a PhD student for those who don't know what a lead scholar is. So, so Peggy, we're going to start uh, today with kind of a question we've been asking for the season and thinking about your career, you've you know taught, you're a professor, you're influencing teachers. What are you most excited or feel is the greatest impact you've had so far in the field? I would say working with families and teachers and bringing real practical evidence-based practices to the classroom and to the home. Um, interventions that teachers and families can impact e or apply immediately that have great impact. And so working with these teachers and families and seeing change within their children is really what drives me. So th that's a great segue into yep. what I always like to ask, <laughs> which is, you know, so I'm a teacher and I recognize, you know what, I, I could do more. I could do more to bridge this parent gap. Maybe it's something I haven't even thought a lot about. Um, or I'm a pre-service teacher building up my repertoire. Where, where could I get started in building this bridge to a good relationship with parents of my students? I think there's two ways you can do that. One of the first ways is um, really you start from the very beginning developing a relationship with that family. One way that I do that is to do a family-based routines interview. <clears throat> so I like to talk with the family about what they're already doing in the home. And then when I ask them to embed one of my interventions, I'm not asking them to do anything different. They're still using their routine. They're just doing something within their routine and it's easy for them. And again, I usually start with something like positive reinforcement so they can see an immediate um, response with their child and then they want to learn more. So I think it's taking the time to build that relationship, taking time to understand the family through their culture and family routines, and then asking them to build within the routines they already have. Our families are extremely busy, and if they knew what to do, they'd be doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and many of our families are you know, working, uh, taking care of the kids, taking care of the family. Um, those are their priorities, and so you need to work within the system that they have. I love that. So I'm going to ask a similar question, but the flip side of that. So imagine I'm a new teacher and I've burnt a bridge. <laughs> That's a good question. A flaming bridge with my parents, maybe. And not intentional. Maybe because I was new, I forgot. I, you know, I, I don't believe that parent-teacher relationships that go south are usually intentional on either part. What might you be uh, suggesting, because you do have such great uh, experience with families and a lot of work with families of kids even with autism spectrum disorder, um, what, what might I start in trying to rebuild that relationship? I think the first thing that you need to do is to really listen to parents. I think sometimes we come in with too strong of an expert focus that we're the expert and we're going to tell, kind of tell you what to do. So I think listening um, to the parent and t trying to understand their lens and their perspective. And so I would start with 
if you've burnt that bridge, they might not answer the phone. When you call. <laughs> <laughs> um, and sometimes we wonder why families don't you know, return yeah. a call or answers, but they've received so many phone calls with us complaining about their child, they finally have put your right. number on the block. Um, so I think you have to kind of turn that around. You're going to use that same type of positive reinforcement with those families as you're going to your ch with, with the child. And so it might be starting with notes home, you know, with using those positive uh, notes that are going home, and then maybe asking them to come into the classroom and do something for you versus, uh, you know, you telling them what to do. So it might be something like a family day where we get to contact that family and say, you know, your son told me about this. Would you be willing to come in and teach us how to cook this dish that he says he likes so much? And so bringing their, their expertise and their culture to your classroom and try to redevelop the relationship from there. Um, but we really have to be thinking about that from the start, you know, that first month of school. <laughs> right. That's where you're building that relationship yeah. and yeah. thinking about how do I contact this parent and how do I involve this parent. Yeah, it's, it's such an important thing, and I think that it's so subtle sometimes that people overlook it when we're trying to prepare teachers. I don't, I don't know that we do a great job all the time um, of helping, helping pre-service teachers understand the importance, but we appreciate that we have experts like you. And I think sometimes we think about the high-leverage practices, um, and we think about, okay, in academic instruction, and how do we use them in the classroom, but there's a whole piece of those high-leverage practices that apply to the family and collaboration. So we need to think about how do we use those same high leverage practices with our families to build that partnership. And since you mentioned that, um, can you tell us, because that's a good example, what are some of your go-to resources? If you're, if you're in a spot like me and I'm, I'm preparing you know, novice teachers, where is the first place you send them for more information in case they're not getting it in their coursework? Um, just elaborate, uh, getting... Um, getting information on, on, on the strategies for working with parents. Working with families. There is um, a, new, a new book just came out um, through, I believe it's through CEC, <laughs> um, but it's on uh, you know, culturally sustaining pedagogy. And so really to start with that, you have to um, really challenge your own assumptions first. And so how do you... It teaches you kind of how to look at your, the assumptions, how to look at kind of how families that are different than you think and feel, and then it also helps you um, figure out how to build that relationship. So it's culturally sustaining, sustaining pedagogy. Um, Dr. Elizabeth Harkins Monaco is one of the authors, and um, it's it's my new. I have, a, I have a copy of it in my, my bag. I bought two of them. But it is the book that uh, most people steal from my desk love it. on a regular basis. I love it. I love it. So I'm, I'm going to ask it again, kind of the flip side. But now I'm a parent, and I can still tell you that if I get an email that has my son's name in it, I just assume it's not positive, which is probably not. Uh -huh. It's probably not a good um, gut reaction. And sorry, Josh, but that is what, you know, that most of the emails were in that direction. But I also think sometimes I had to do my own self-check. So now I'm asking for advice to parents because I'd be like, well, why aren't they responding? Like, I, you know, this, this is, you know, my rights. And so what's your advice to parents when they feel like they're not getting what they need and they push harder and it's failing? Like, what's a better approach maybe for families? Do you have a suggestion on the flip side for families to understand, especially a new teacher? Um, I think that is hard for families. And again, it's understanding things, 
things or situations from multiple lenses. Um, I was at an IEP meeting once, and we were sitting around with, you know, the, probably the most difficult child in the school, and all of a sudden, the parent looked at the school psychologist and said, and I am so sick of you rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> Good for her. And the school psychologist just kind of looked back, and her, her contact had been stuck in her eye. <laughs> and so she was trying to get her contact out of her eye. That's so um, and, then, and then she's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not rolling my eyes at you, my contacts, you know, but it was that, just kind of that initial response, right. yeah. and just a, a right. misunderstanding. And I think many times um, that's where uh, some of these feelings come from. There's a, a book for parents on IEPs called um, Guns Ablazing, <laughs> and uh, we need to make sure, uh, as parents, we know when to pull out our guns <laughs> and when not to. Figuratively, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was not appropriate to say in this time. But, um, yeah. you know, when do we when do we really kind of, pull, you know, right. you know, really advocate for the child? I think the number one parent thing parents can do from the again from the very start is make sure that those teachers and the people at the school know who your child is that this is a person this isn't a paper this isn't a plan this is a child um, who has hopes dreams and wants and is loved and so um, back when I was a teacher the ways we would have nights where we'd bring families in and they would create a, a portfolio on their child um, and they would bring that to the first IEP meeting and say, you know, I, I want you to know my child. Other children would do like a little bro brochure of themselves, and when they went to the next grade level, the child could give it to the teacher that, you know, this is who I am, this is what I like, um, this is what I'm good at. So that uh, IEP team can see a whole child versus this plan that we have to implement. Some parents, I think, are even doing videos now, which, I mean, you show me a... a a picture. Yeah, a right. sucker right. for a picture. I did it all the time. That was and my first time. I am to... not saying no to you. Right. You know, that's yeah. all there is to it. And I, I don't do much clinical work anymore, but if a fam family shows me a picture, <laughs> I'm out. Peggy's on their team. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I always did take a picture, but I got some good advice similar to your book once. It said, Lisa, don't bring a fire hose to a water gun fight. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's true. You know, so at one point I had Becky come. I needed a fire hose. Uh, but lots of time I would try a squirt gun first, but it really, it's hard. And I, I respect that. That's I, right. I think it's, you know, that contact in the eye is a great example of you don't understand what the other person's going And I think through. teachers need to understand really how emotional this is. It, oh, yeah. yeah. Right. That it is emotional. This is their ch someone's child you're talking right. about. And how do we frame that um, with a strengths base versus a deficit base? Love it. So, well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's great to see you, Peggy, and thanks again for all your work and advocacy for children and families. Well, thank you so much. I am proud to be a UCF scholar. <laughs> Go Knights. Go Charge on. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, if you okay. have questions, please send them to us on our Twitter at Access Practical, or you can send them to our Facebook at Practical Access. Thanks again, Peggy. Thank, thank you. you.